I have to confess to you, there are times when I get a little down, and there's times when I get a little discouraged, and there's times when, when I feel a little overwhelmed by the world and the situations and the challenges that I face. And at those times, I know I need something that will give me confidence, something that will, that will give me a boost and will encourage me, something that will remind me that no matter what obstacle I face, I can get through it. And at those times, of course, I turn to Die Hard. And I watch Die Hard. How many of you have seen Die Hard? Ah, Every now and then I have to watch Die Hard again. I just have to go back and I watch Die Hard. John McClane is a man of action. And when he is completely overwhelmed and in trouble and pushed to the brink, what does he do? He grabs a machine gun and he shoots his way out. It's, it's just such an amazing movie. I love the movie. Not the sequels so much. I really don't care about the sequels. But the first movie is just amazing. And I think there's something within us all that, that, that just wants to believe that if we were pushed, if we were pushed to the edge, if we had a really bad day, we could take charge like John McClane. We, we could die hard. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And suddenly we have to admit that there is nothing in our culture, there is nothing in our culture, there is nothing in our view of power and, and victory that encourages gentleness. In fact, you turn on your TV, you, you pick up your phone, you read the news, you, you read Facebook, do, do you find gentleness in any of those places? No, people are loud. People are angry. People are divided. They are arguing. There is everything but gentleness. This, this fruit goes against everything that our culture defines as true power. And we would have to admit, even as Christians, it's not a quality we look for. It's not a quality we really encourage. And yet here it is, the fruit of the Spirit. And here it is in the Bible as a, a characteristic of God Himself. We're going to look at, at a passage in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, it's one that I go back to over and over again. Isaiah 40, verses 9-11. through 11. If you're following along in those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 599. And I think, I think this is a necessary reminder for us that we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. They are of the Spirit. These are qualities. These are characteristics. These are virtues that God Himself possesses had a lot of people over the course of the year tell me, well, I'm not a very patient person. And I'm not always a kind person. I, I know. We, we, that's the point. It's not the, it's not the fruit of Jim. You know? It's not the fruit of Jason. It is the fruit of the Spirit. This, these are not qualities that we possess in and of ourselves. This is who we become as the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And so we read, we read of God beginning in Isaiah 40, verse 9. I love this first line. Get you up on a high mountain. Isn't that great? I thought of Nancy Carrion when I first read that. I thought, I don't think that's proper English, but I'm not going to, I don't know for sure. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up and fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold, your 
God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense is before Him. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. I look at Isaiah's proclamation. And it's amazing what you see here. Go up on a mountain and lift up your voice. Shout it out and don't be afraid. Proclaim that God comes. He comes to rule. His arm is strong to rule. He is strong. He is mighty. His recompense is before Him. Recompense. That means He's going to pay Him back. Every debt will be settled. You can be sure of that. God will repay And then verse 11, He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And this is our picture of gentleness. This is our example. This is our hero. It's not not die hard. It is the undying power of God expressed in gentleness. The fruit of that we're called to possess. That's the fruit we're called to possess. That's the fruit we need to look for in ourselves. And what we have to notice here, what we have to notice from God is that gentleness is an expression of ultimate power. Gentleness is an expression of ultimate power. It is an expression of God's power. You know, the more I worked on this message this week, the more I realized we we just need a different word. I don't think the word gentleness really cuts it for us. And sometimes we use a different word. We use the word meek. But to our English ears, meek sounds too much like weak. And we get that very confused. And meekness is not weakness. This isn't just a word that conjures up images of, you know, warm, fuzzy images of sheep and shepherds and, and peaceful nights out on the hills. Aristotle, the philosopher, not, not approaching this at all from a Christian point of view, but just seeking to define this word and this concept for us. Aristotle said that this word, gentleness, is it is the center between two extremes. It describes a person who is so much in control of himself or herself that he is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. Do you get that? Always angry at the right time, never angry at the wrong time. That describes God. And since it is the fruit of the Spirit that is growing within us, it it needs to describe us as well. There's an old hymn we used to sing. I can't remember the last time we ever would have sung this hymn. It's a very old hymn, but maybe you've heard it. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. You know that one? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Look upon a little child. Pity my simplicity. Suffer me to come to Thee. I I hear that song and I, I just get this kind of anemic view of Jesus. This weak and anemic view of Jesus. He, he looks frail and He's just begging us to, to come to Him. Begging us to be His friend. Just, just come and hold my hand. But when you look at the Gospels, you, that's not the Jesus you see. You see a, a strong and powerful Jesus. You see a Jesus who is in control. You see a Jesus that when He goes into the temple and He scatters the money changers, remember? They run! <laughs> They, they run from Him. That's the kind of power that you see. But you realize that is also gentleness. Always angry at the right time. Never angry at the wrong time. The picture 
that Isaiah paints in chapter 40 is a picture of God's amazing power, but it's also a picture of God's amazing care. You, you look on into the next verse. Verse 12, he says of God, who has measured the water in the hollow of His hands? He, he measures the waters of the earth in the hollow of His hand. Who has marked off the heavens with a span, with the distance between His thumb and his, his little finger, that's a span. And God has marked the heavens off with that span. And he goes on and says, He has enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Such majesty and might, and yet how does God choose to express it? He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs into His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. There's an appropriate time for a display of power. There's an appropriate time for a strong ruling arm, but there's also an appropriate time for power to be displayed in gentleness, to be displayed in restraints. So if gentleness is a display, is an expression of God's power, how is this power going to be seen in you and me? How is this power going to be seen in you and me? A few months ago, I read a book called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. How many of you have read this? A few of you have read it, haven't you? Yeah, a few of you have read this. It's a good book. Brant asks the question in this book, what if, what if you just decided to not be offended at anything? What if you just decided that nothing was going to offend you? What if you decided that rather than just get angry about things, that you were actually going to do something, that you were going to take action, but, but you weren't just going to get angry. You weren't going to get offended. I'm part of a wonderful group of, of Christians, some of them, many of them pastors online, and it has been just one of the most encouraging and, and just Christ-like groups. They, they are there for each other. We are there to bless each other and encourage each other. A lot of them are going through some real struggles, and, and every day we have opportunities to pray for each other. We, we end up calling each other and talking and visiting. We get together. Several of them I haven't been able to get together, but several of them get together a couple, three times a year. And, and that wonderful, godly, caring group, somebody posted an article about this book. And I watched as that wonderful, godly, and caring group suddenly just got angry. How dare you? How dare you say that I can't be angry? How dare you say that I shouldn't be offended? There's lots of things that offend me. The book says, what if? You know, what, what if you just decided that, that you weren't going to be offended? Well, it's my right to be angry. And then they said the exact same thing that maybe you're saying to yourself. Jesus got angry, you know. <laughs> yeah. One time. We, we have this one thing when he, when he was in the temple. We, we understand. He, he got angry in the temple at the right time. But if God chooses to reveal Himself to the world through gentleness, despite His power, how do you think He wants to be revealed through you? How do you think He wants to be revealed through us? God has chosen to express His power through gentleness. And, and when we as His followers understand that, when we appropriate that, what we see is that, that our own gentleness, the gentleness that we express, it comes from understanding that God is near to us comes to understanding the, the nearness of God to our hearts. We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit this year, and, and I think what we've been seeing is the fruit of the Spirit leads us deeper and deeper into relationship 
with Jesus. Last month we looked at faithfulness. And faithfulness is not just loyalty. Faithfulness is not just obligation. Faithfulness is about relationship. It's about a, a relationship of faithfulness with God. It's about being faithful to His image, faithful to who He is and reproducing His image in ourselves. So if God chooses to express His power through gentleness, how is that going to be seen in us? It's going to be seen in us through, through gentleness as well. And yet, over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> through the Supreme Court hearings, and yesterday, did anyone see any gentleness? Has anyone heard any, any gentleness on the news? Or Set aside the, the issues just for a minute. Set aside who's right and who's wrong. Set aside the issues and the division. Did either side respond with gentleness? Was there gentleness anywhere? I heard a lot of anger. heard a lot of name calling. I saw a lot of people telling, telling people what's wrong on that side and what's wrong on, on this side. I didn't see any great displays of gentleness. And, and yet I think about those who have been broken by abuse. And how many of them are longing for gentleness? How many of them are, are longing for someone to show them true power in gentleness? You know, Isaiah, when he wrote this, he was writing about a time when, when Israel would come back from captivity. Israel spent 70 years in Babylon, about a thousand miles away from home. They were, they were beaten, they were disgraced, they were homeless. But Isaiah said, one day you will come back. And he said there were two things you really need to know about God. One, you have an awesome and powerful God. But the second thing you need to know is He loves you. And He cares for you. And He will lead you back home like a shepherd. He will carry them close to His heart. He will gently lead them. And I wonder how many people we encounter every day who need to hear that God is like that. They need to hear of His gentleness. How many people need to hear that, and yet they come to the church or they, they hear Christians speaking and, and discussing and they hear the same anger that they hear outside the church. They see nothing of this great love and compassion that Jesus calls us to. They see no expressions of gentleness from Christians, just more of the same loud and angry and hateful, abusive talk. And I, I, think, the key, I think the key to understanding what this gentleness is all about is this. People need to know exactly what they can expect from us. They need to know exactly what they can expect from you. They need to know where we stand. Jesus got angry. Jesus got angry in the temple. But you know what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't fly off the handle. Jesus didn't just fly off the handle when He was in the temple, when He cleared the temple. He was taking a stand for what He had always taken a stand for, a relationship with the Father. To go back to Aristotle, it's about being, always being angry at the right time and never being angry at the wrong time. And people need to see that in us. They need to expect that from us. And that's why gentleness is, is essential to who you are as a Christian. Over and over again in Scripture, we're shown the importance of gentleness. It's, it's not, just, not just in and of ourselves, but, but in the way we relate to other people. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. Isn't that great? A, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Not just a soft-spoken answer, not just a 
calm answer, but a reasonable answer, a reasonable response. Don't respond to anger with anger. Keep it cool. It goes back from knowing where you stand. That idea carries over to 1 Peter. <laughs> of all people, Peter. I mean, what display of gentleness did we see of Peter in the, in the Gospels? And yet in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he, he tells us how to answer those that question us about our faith. And, and one thing to keep in mind when you read this particular verse, this isn't talking about someone in your office or someone at a restaurant who asks you why you believe what you believe. The people, people, the people Peter was writing to were being hauled into court because of their faith. They, they were facing the death penalty because of their faith. And what does Peter tell them to do? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer is an answer that trusts that God is going to do the work to change someone else's heart. It's God who will work in their heart. It's God who will work in their attitudes. Not you, not me. It's a trust that He does that. When you respond with gentleness, you are responding with trust in God. We head back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 is where we find the the fruit of the Spirit. We get into Galatians chapter 6. and very first verse there, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a transgression, if anyone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted. You cannot miss in that one verse that he ties gentleness in with being spiritual, with being people who have grown the fruit of the Spirit. And just like answering questions about our faith, it's a matter of understanding that it is God who changes heart. And by allowing this fruit to grow in you, you are allowing God to do the work in other people's lives to change their hearts. And I know there's a lot of people that struggle with this one. I know a lot of us really struggle with this one, and I, and I know it's easy to make excuses. Well, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how they offended me. But the question is, the question is, do people understand you as a gentle Christian? Do people see you as a gentle Christian? Do they know where you stand? Do they know what to expect from you? Or are they afraid that you're going to fly off the handle? Are they afraid that you're just going to fly off the handle? And beyond that question is this, do people see us as a gentle church? Do they see us as a place where they can be gently restored to God? Where they can be carried closer to the heart of God through our gentleness? That passage in Isaiah 40, verse 9, begins with a powerful call. Get you up on a mountain. <laughs> Get you up on a mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. We took that line and we made a song out of it. Shirley, might, Shirley plays it every year, a few times a year. We took that one line from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. We made a song out of it. Go, tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere. Go, tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. We turned it into a Christmas song. We sing those words every Christmas. 
calls us to, to declare the birth of Christ, but you realize that at the heart of your claim to be a Christian, at the heart of your claim to be a Christian is the belief that Jesus Christ has been born anew in us. That He lives. And when you ask us how we know He lives, He lives within our hearts. It begins with that powerful call, go up on the mountain and declare it. But it ends with that call to gentleness. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. There are people in our lives who will never know that God is like that unless we show them. There are people in our lives who will never understand that God is gentle unless they see that we are gentle. They are so convinced that God is this big mean man in the sky just waiting for them to screw up. They're never going to understand His gentleness unless they see it in us. They're never going to learn of His power to care for them, His power to love them, His power to restore them unless they learn it from us. Unless we're willing to set aside our own sense of, of revenge, our own sense of privilege, our own sense of power and simply be shepherds to them and wrap our arms around them and show them God's gentleness. I hope our lives proclaim that. I hope our gentleness proclaims that. Can people see Jesus alive in us, over, over our anger, over our opinions, over our divisions. The call to gentleness, you know, it's not a call to not be passionate. It's not a call to not be passionate about things that you care about. It's a call to be even more aware of the presence and the power of Almighty God. And it's a call to trust that that presence and that power is expressed in His gentleness. And that you trust that that gentleness is going to be expressed in you and me and our church as well. Let's, let's stand and pray. Father, I think we need to remind ourselves from time to time that at, at one time, your Bible tells us, your Word tells us in, in Ephesians, at one time we were children of wrath. At one time we had earned your anger and yet you showed us unfailing love and amazing compassion and, and amazing gentleness. Lord, we live in a world that is often at odds with who we are and, and what we believe. But we stand with You and we stand in Your power and authority. And because there is no power greater than Yours, we are able to stand in Your gentleness and reach those that have been broken by our world. Give us hearts that choose gentleness above anger. Give us hearts like Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.